0: Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Yeah. Come on, y'all. been here for 2,000 years, and we're in the greatest days of the church. come on, you got to help me out. I need you this morning. I, I've been preaching all week. I need some agreement. And it's just like how I'm not invited to some of your Seahawk parties because I'm a 49er fan. Because sometimes, you know, the, the, the call gets made and, uh, you know, you're like, that was, that was not, you know, that was not passing interference. And I'm like, mm, yes, it was. You, you, you want some agreement in the room. And uh, all that means is subconsciously, sometimes you don't even know it, but when, when your dude is running down the field, he's about to score, you, sub, sometimes even even the most quietest person will just be like, yeah, yes, you know, or, or if they don't make it in, sometimes, you know, on the last play of the game in the Super Bowl, when you should run it, some teams throw it. Um, and when you don't get in the end zone, listen, my team just did the same thing basically in the Super Bowl, and, 49ers. And uh, you're depressed for days. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Football is not life. Jesus is life. But I'm kind of just like, you know, walking around just like. And speaking of walking like this, I think sometimes we should leave church with a little, you know, little... like the next day. It's like, why are, you, why are you walking around? That's church, man. I got sore hemi from church. Your, your throat sounds a little sore. Like, yeah, I was shouting down the preacher. Just, is it, This is a team sport. Amen. Amen? It's true. If you stare at your wife while she talks, this is not a great conversation. You need to be a part of it. As much as this is a, is a, is a monologue, it is actually a dialogue. It truly is. Let's stir this faith this morning. I really believe this is a prophetic a word for our church um, and I want to talk about it. it's not over. It's not over. And there's some things that are going to awaken in your life, I believe, prophetically. Uh, even though there's some messages, don't worry. I got there's some nuggets. There's some nuggets. They might be small, okay. But there's still, there's some, there's some word. Um, but ultimately, I believe there's an impartation of the Spirit of God over your life. Amen. You made it here this morning. You're here. God, I, I believe God has, God, God got you here sovereignly. Um, and, and he wants to impart a spirit of faith. And even more than that, that something is going to happen today. Amen? Amen? Come on. All right. there we go. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Um, I highly recommend the Bible. Um, I highly recommend a, a book. I love technology. I don't mean to get weird. I, I believe that that is a resource. I believe this is more of a source that you can write. Uh, this Bible, I'm, I've got a new Bible, but this Bible right here, I took to Australia, to Melbourne, to, to Melbourne Australia, and uh, we, we took over a youth and young adult group in, in Melbourne, and this is also the Bible that we started this church with. It's difficult if I did that through my iPad or my iPhone, but now I can have this, and I can show Jude, and I can show Trent the messages that God gave me out of 1 Corinthians 13 when we started the church. There's something generational and something, I think, important and precious um, about about having a book. And I know I sound like an old man, um, but I really believe while we still have books, um, get one, get the good book, underline it, write on it, and you'll have a story of of what God has spoken to you throughout the years. And I highly recommend an actual journal, and you can look back and see what God spoke to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. We're looking at Esau uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, The book of Hebrews uh, chapter 12, I believe. Chapter 12, verse 16. And it says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Ultimately, the writer of Hebrews is discussing the flesh. The flesh, not just fornication with lust, but lust. The lust of money. Just the lust of in covetousness of, of different people in this room. It will kill you. We cannot live by the flesh. It's not because God's mad at you and it takes away your brownie points and your gold star. No, do it for yourself. Your lust will lead you into places and decisions that you do not want to make. Amen? And so we want to not live by our flesh, but we want to live by the Word of God and according to our minds. Love the Lord God with your heart, soul, and mind mind we're bringing our mind this series about minecraft is the, is the battlefield of the mind and 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 just like the the video game i've never played it doesn't seem like a video game there's no point you just go in there and play around forever and there's no no level to win i don't understand it but you worlds get created in this place your mind is primarily responsible for creating the world that you live in that's why we are transformed by the renewing of our not our emotions, your emotions, your emotions are, are, are that, that, that thing that attach to the mind. As your mind thinks, so go your emotions. Your emotions will be naturally renewed by your mind. That's why the battlefield is, is in the mind. And, and so we're looking at the mind. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For one morsel, why would you do that? what stupid what yeah, it is what? why would you that is the worst deal ever. Well, we do the same thing. We make deals with our future because of temporary circumstance, so we are caught up in temporary well why are we caught up in temporary circumstances because of what we feel? because of hunger and so For one morsel of food, he sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, and this verse will mess with you, because it doesn't seem like it's theologically right. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance. Repentance, metanoia, change of mind. A change of mind. I need a mind change this morning. I need a change of mind. Though he sought it, diligently with tears. Though he sought it out of emotion, he needed a change of mind. We'll talk about that more later. Let's go to the book of Genesis and check out this character named Esau. It says in Genesis 25 verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew. Jacob's cooking stew. Even though Esau is the stew guy. Jacob is cooking, that's like me cooking stew. No, Carrie makes the stew. Carrie or a Costco, amen. But, but not, not me, I don't have a stew. Jacob's cooking stew, and Esau, he came in from the field, and he was weary. He was weary. He was weary. Have you ever been weary? Weary. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, please, with that, with that stew, for, for I'm weary. The decisions we make when we're weary... Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. Was Esau about to die? Probably not. He felt like it. I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold him his birthright. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils, and he ate and drank arose and went his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to look at it. He didn't think about it until years later. He wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted nothing to do. A lot of us are hiding or we find safety and comfort because of things in our life that we have gave away, have that, that we have followed our emotions in. And this morning we want to say, God, whatever you have for me, I want your mind. Amen. I want your mind. I need your thoughts. Amen. I need your thought. I need the mind of God. Tell someone, you need the mind of God. Tell someone. You can, yeah. That was that was literal. Yeah, tell there you go. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? That's so just so beautiful. Just 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 tell just tell a person that's the next to you. I'm gonna probably get loud a little bit with the preacher, so just let me don't judge me. Like don't, I'm just gonna get loud and I'm gonna I'm gonna receive the word of God this morning. Amen. Okay, okay. Now they're warned, and so you can, it's okay. You can, you, can, you can come into agreement. You can receive the word of God, and uh, God's about to move in this place. Amen? Amen? Amen. Or I should say continue to move. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for this, this room. I thank you, God, that we are in this room. So many happen, things happen in, in rooms. Lord, in the Bible, there was the upper room. Lord, there was there was the room where you where you showed your hands and your feet to you, the disciples. God, we thank you that we're in the room this morning. God, to hear the word of God and to forever be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. God, I pray that everyone in this place would be encouraged, would be built up, that we would have a radical encounter as our mind, Lord, becomes occupied with the word of God. Lord, we thank you so much for being preeminent and being sovereign and being over and being before and after, Lord, our entire lives. God, our lives are in your hands. Lord, today we throw our spirit, our soul, our bodies, our minds, Lord, into your hands we relinquish the right, Lord, even this morning, Lord, God, to be in control. Lord, we give you, we hand over control, Lord, of our lives. Do so we say, God, we need you, we want you, we love you, we need a miracle. Lord, we need a miracle, we need a miracle. We want an encounter with the living God, Lord, spirit, soul, and body, and especially in our minds. Let our minds become captive, Lord, by your hand, by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have you ever looked forward to something, something, something like you've been looking forward to a very, very long time? Well, I had one of those moments in 90, 94, 94, some of you weren't even bored, 94, 95, you might remember. For those of us in the 90s, it was the year Braveheart came out and uh, some of us went to the theater a few to 10 times to see Braveheart and um it was just incredible and uh also um that was the year uh the juice was loose if you remember OJ that was the the great white blazer uh, uh on the highway there chasing them down that, that was weird and uh Rudy Rudy had come out in 93 now now I had only watched it though in 94 on VHS tape amen and the VCR kids are like what is that and um I, I wasn't expecting, I, I'd gone over to some friend's house and, and we're watching Rudy, all of a sudden at the end, Rudy Rudiger gets put into the game and I start losing it, man, water works. So I'm like, this, is, this kid who gets a pity play to go in and play for Notre Dame's got me all weepy and I'm losing it. Anyways, that has nothing to do with anything, that's that year. Um, my senior year in high school and it's 94, I'm 17 and for the last two years of my life, I'm getting ready to go to Africa. Anybody want to go to Africa? Yeah. Africa. Africa for YWAMers was Mecca. Um, it, it was a rites of passage. You, you weren't really a missionary until you'd gone to Africa. For some reason, man, it was the, it was the granddaddy of them all. Oh, You've been to Asia? Well, that's nice. That's cute. You've been to Eastern Europe? Well, that's that's a vacation. And um, But Africa is where the real men and women of God go and get their stripes. You go... And pay the price in Africa. So, Africa had come knocking on my door, and I was about to prepare for years, for years think about the last time you prepared something for years it's it's typically when you're young but sometimes when you're older a business or a, or a buying of a house or whatever it might be but I was in preparation for years this was this was my moment I had kind of worked my way as you do uh, building relationships and, and and stepping out in faith and being a f- just servant and faithful and and I had gotten close to some of the guys around Lauren Cunningham and we were a part of a preaching team and so at 17 I was going to be one of the main preachers in the this, this all summer long mission trip to Africa, to South Africa, and then up into Swaziland, which is not a theme park. It's a little country right up above South Africa. We were going into the schools and the colleges and stadiums, and we were going to preach the gospel, feed the poor, all of that entails in a mission trip. So at the end of my season, weeks before the trip, in the spring of 94, I'm ready to go. I've been praying and preparing and to go on this life altering trip. I got a phone call canceling the trip. And if you've ever, again, had this moment where you're looking forward to it and they cancel it, man, I was devastated. That was the most devastating thing I'd ever experienced in my life up to that point. I've had a few whoppers since, but um, that was the biggest to, my, to, to date. And, and I was devastated. I, my life was over. It wasn't over. Felt like it was over. Felt like it was over. Have you ever felt like this is over? I, it's over. It's over. You, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing what that emotion of hunger does. We can mock Esau for being an idiot, but the reason he's in the Bible is because he's more relatable than we give credit to because we often give away whatever it takes because in that moment, man, we're hangry. Amen? I mean, you do not go shopping when you're hungry. Do not go to Costco when you're hungry. Because you will just like, that looks good. I need that. I definitely need all of it, man. I need all the treats and all the chocolate and all the meat and all of it. I need all of it. And I show up and I'm like, how? You get to the counter and you start repenting. You know, you're like i do not how I spent that much money. It's because you were hungry, and when you're hungry, your emotions start lying to you that you just bought 20 meals for four nights. You only need four meals. But no, I needed the stew. The new stew is out, and the pork chops look good, and the prime ribs on sale, and those tacos look good, and the shrimp. And if you follow Costco Deals on Instagram, you got all kinds of little treats you need. I don't just need one kind of popcorn. I need the sweet and salty, and I need the kettle corn, and I need the pray for me. And so... But when you're hungry, man, you, you don't, you just, you're just, you're just, I need it. I need it all. And you're willing to go into debt because your stomach, isn't it interesting the things that have happened over food? Esau, food. The garden, food. Communion? food it's amazing how even Jesus taps into what goes on on the inner world of these desires and passions and reality of missing one meal and yet we think that the world is ending and we use words even as Americans after missing one meal I'm starving you can't get away with that in Africa you're like I'm starving it's eight an hour ago they are like what what are you talking about I'm starving. You're not starving, but your emotions are telling you that you're starving. Your emotions are telling you. So, I um, I said, I said, okay. After I wiped my tears, I read the book. Girl, wash your face. <laughs> I washed my face, and I I called up some of the YWAM leaders. They said there'd been a bunch of transitions in leadership, and they, the trip would not be happening. And I said, Can I get the details? They they, they had they had spent literally years on this trip, and, and I said, can I get the itinerary, and they said, no, I said, man, I'd really hate to see all that work, and all that effort just go to naught. I just, I would love to pick up the torch, and you know, cross the finish line with all the work that you guys did with the schools, and the, and the state, and all of it, and um, they said, yeah, but Isaac, they're expecting like a hundred people, <laughs> they're expecting like teams, doctors, And, I mean, I I appreciate you're going to bring, like, a little first aid kit, you know, (laughs) and your Bible. And be like, we're here. You're welcome, Africa. But, um, I mean, it's not built for that. It's not built for two 17-year-old kids because I called up my friend, Will, and I said, man, we need to go. But I finally got them to, to fax over the um, itinerary. And so we'd get up at 3 in the morning and we'd fax pastors and leaders in Africa and we would get responses like, thanks but no thanks, right? And so we we were like, no, you really, man, we're here. We're going to bring the fire. We're going to bring the heat. It's going to be awesome. And they really weren't having it, but we had a few people that finally kind of mercy, mercy said, sure, I guess you can stay at the church in the basement and clean toilets if you really need to come to Africa. And so we finally got the open, uh, the, the open door to get to Africa. And all I can say is this, is, 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 is there something that took place that summer in my life that radically changed my life forever? What looked like was over, what looked like it was bleak, it was mundane, it was nothing, actually became the, the, pivotal, transforming summer of my life. When I thought it was over, it was actually just about to begin. What looked like the end of my life, the end of my mission, the end of my summer became the summer that actually transformed my life to date. Someone shout, it's not over. It's not over. Look at someone and say, it's not over. Say it with some prophetic unction. It's not over. Your marriage is not over. Your family is not over. Your finances are not over. Your identity is not over. Your ministry is not over. In fact, it is only just begun. The enemy wants you to listen to your stomach. You're hungry, baby. You're hungry, and you need to give up your future your finances your mind do whatever it takes to feed the beast the truth of it is is all you need is one meal that's all Esau needed was one meal man when I got to Africa I can't even explain there if you've ever been in a moment with God sometimes that you cannot theologically explain it like it doesn't even make sense people still don't believe that we've been in meetings where people get gold teeth and stuff happens like that's silly Listen, I don't know but I can show you a dude with a gold tooth in his mouth like you deal with that Where's the chapter? Where's the verse? You know what? Well, there's miracles and this kind of thing, but there's some things I can't explain. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was three. I don't even know if that's acceptable, Holy Spirit, because I didn't ask for it. I thought the Holy Ghost was a gentleman. Everyone, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. I don't know. Sometimes when God hit me, I fell over. I hit my head on the corner of of the stage, and I'm like, what happened? I thought you were supposed to be a gentleman. Where's my catcher? You know? Where's my little blanket? God seems to deal with me rough. I don't know. But when I got to Africa, I didn't understand it. But, man, we were fishing with this guy, and and, and I don't understand it. He was like, and this has never happened before. I wish this gift would come back to me. But we went with a fisherman. He's like, we, we don't catch fish right now. This is not the season to catch fish. I just want to show you the Cape Town coast. And so he got his gear, and he's just like, woo! We're just casting for fun. I tell you what, I don't get it, but, like, this, this word came to my mind, my heart, and I said, Jan, I don't know, man, but in about 30 seconds, I couldn't believe it was coming out of my mouth. If you've ever been in, like, an out-of-body weird moment, you're like, this is, this should not be happening. And I'm like, you're about to catch a fish in 30 seconds, 30, 29, 20, and I counted down. I kid you not, at second zero, bam, he caught a fish off the coast and he said, This, they're not running right now. Like, this, this, stop it. And I I got another word. I said, You, it's about to happen again. And it's about to happen again. He caught over three million. I'm just kidding. Happened three times. (laughs) It happened three times. I feel stupid saying this. Why? Because I I wish it still happened. I still listen for the word. Trent, you're going to catch it. No, that was my flesh. That's not the word of God. I couldn't believe it. But he broke down after that moment and said, the faith, my faith in God that I lost had been restored. And we saw a family and a church be restored unto God. I don't understand it. We went into a house church that night, and I wanted to teach on something, but the Holy Spirit broke out so thick that people, again, were crying and falling over, and I wanted to bring order to the room. I was like, hey, the Word of God needs to be taught, and people couldn't regain their composure, but the presence of God was so thick, it marked me for life. It ruined me. I can't explain it, but day after day, I saw the power of God move in my life that transformed me, and I... I, 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 I can't explain. I remember calling my mom and I, I couldn't even say the name of Jesus without crying. But what God did, and that cost about a hundred dollars back then. <laughs> I'm like, this is a really expensive cry session on the phone. But I, I couldn't explain. It was God. It was God. It was God shaping something in my life. Son, when you think it's over and you come to the end of yourself, what you need to know is your faith is not in what you can do, but what I can do. I'm a sovereign God. My hand is upon you, and I will open the door, and the door that I open, no man can shut. Somebody shout, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. I feel the enemy getting scared in this place. If I was a demon, I'd leave this place. If I was fear, if I was insecurity, I'd leave this place. Because I'm telling you, once you get a hold of this, you've never served God with this type of mindset that says, God, you're for me. I don't just feel it. And when I don't feel it, I can tap into my mind. Because it's the battlefield and the word of God resides in my mind. It's in my mind. It's in my mind. It's in my mind. It's in my mind. I love you with my mind, Lord. I love you with my mind. And when my hunger tells me, God, where are you? See, you could be doing what you're supposed to be doing this morning, and you could still get weary. See, for too long, oftentimes we look at weariness as a sign that you are out of your grace zone. That you're out of your gift zone. You're not doing what you're called to do. What you need to understand is more often than not, you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. The Bible says that Esau was hunting, that's his grace zone. That's what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And yet he comes in and he is weary. Just because you are weary, it does not mean it is a sign that you need to stop. That is a word for somebody here this morning you've been looking at as a sign to stop. It is not a sign to stop. It's actually a sign to double down because you could be closer to victory than you ever knew. It's just like when you're swimming and you hold your breath and you just get close to the end. Your lungs are burning right before you touch the end. But your body is telling you, abort the mission. You're going to die. I'm here to declare to you that you are not going to die. It just feels like it. You are not going under. It is not over. It just feels like it. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. Shout it. It's not over. It's actually just getting started. God does his best stuff. When the the wedding runs out of wine, Jesus goes, now it is time for me to reveal that I saved the best for last, and I don't even need wine for this miracle. Just give me some water. Just give me some water. I just need someone to grab a hold of the word and take a walk. That's all it is. Go to Africa. Go to Africa. Go to Africa. Yeah. Okay, God, serve, love, give. It's stop listening to that hunger. It's lying to you. You don't, you don't need a new church. You don't need a new spouse. You don't need a new job. You don't, you don't need a new town. Nope, you just need, you just need a nap. <laughs> you just need a good walk. You just, you're one routine you're one shift you're one meal your body is telling you you're dying but your mind ought to tell you no Esau all it is is one soup all you need is one meal all you need is one date all you need is one moment all you need is one thought all you need is one breakthrough you're one church service away from a breakthrough somebody help me preach this somebody help me preach this it's not, it's not over, it's not over, it's not over, it's not over, it's not over. Esau, you're, 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 you're just weary. That's it. But your awareness will tell you, stop. Abort the mission. Quit. It's over. No, it's just, it's just one shift away. I'm closer than I've ever been. My lungs might be burning. My body might be tired. But that's just to just to be human. Yeah. To, to be tired is to be human. Yeah. We're so afraid to be tired or hungry. You ever been with someone like that goes to Costco like myself? And like you go off to the park for two hours, and these moms are packing like weeks of lunches because the fear of hunger. Well, we've seen our kids go crazy. So we're packing these lunches because we can't even go hungry for a second. So the first sign of hunger pain is <laughs> Cold Red! salami it's like whoa it's all right the kids go out just a little bit of hunger is okay we're so afraid of the hunger pains because we're so used to listening to our hunger instead of being surrounded by hunger using your mind to say you're just hungry Esau you just need a meal You, you just need three days at the beach you don't need a second home in Hawaii But everything in you is going to go to the extreme. Just like Esau who was hungry. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, my ministry is over. My future is over. Why do we say that? Because it feels like it is over. That's the feeling. That's what it feels like. So Esau say, I'm going to die. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to die. It's not over. God's about to move in your life. John 16, he actually promised us trouble. Did you know that? So let's quit acting like we're some spiritual martyr experiencing some sort of big thing that we need to tell everybody about. Life is really hard right now. Yeah, Jesus promised it. And church can sometimes be, you know, a little funny with all the people and people and the, beard. yeah he promised it and work you know I don't like my job right now yeah and water's wet (laughs) we're acting like we're some spiritual giants saying some deep truth of you know who was buried in Grant's tomb it's Grant no duh it's like really no duh man life is hard yeah yeah, you know, marriages and money and people. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, we got it. That's, that, that, God said that's obvious. That's the starting point. Now that you will experience trouble, you need to take courage. Yeah. John 16, You will have affliction. That's a promise. <laughs> yeah. Let's quit acting like it's an anomaly that only us is experiencing. I'm going through spiritual warfare right now. <sighs> Man, kids are hard to raise. They have like a Keurig machine now, I guess, that you push a button and it like formula. I'm like, we needed that 12 years ago. Some of you are like, we don't use formula. Okay, fine. I'm just gluten-free something, something. Why are we going around, though, as if we're some like special target for Satan? I hate it. Honestly, like, oh, you're a pastor. Your kids are gonna come under attack. Don't speak that on my kids. My kids are more than conquerors. The devil's afraid of my kids. I don't care what I gotta do. I'll take my super soak with oil, shoot my house down. There's some witches that do some great. Let's go find them. I'll drip some oil in the blood of Jesus. There is a name that is above every name. Don't speak that over my kids. We're not martyrs. I'm blessed to serve the kingdom. I'm blessed to be a pastor. I'm blessed to preach the gospel. And so are my kids. I was promised affliction. But the beauty is, take courage. Take courage. And take courage when you're surrounded. When you're surrounded by weariness. When your, when your stomach is saying you're going to die, that's when you go, time, family, church, it's time to take courage. Why? Because when we're overcome, we got to stand on the word of God and say, no, I will not be overcome. Why? Because he has overcome. He has overcome. He has overcome. He's overcome. He's overcome. Jude, Trent, He's overcome. He's overcome. He's overcome. He's overcome. We're on the winning team. We know what happens, but your body is going to feel like everybody hates you. Yeah. Hey, Jude and Trent, just understand, you're going to feel like the only Christian. We tell, I told you all the time, you're going to feel like you're the only Christian. That's just, that's just your, your emotions. I said, go find them. He, every week, he's like, hey, well, I just met someone that goes um, to, uh, to go, the gospel church oh, by Costco. and Hey, I met someone that goes to New Heights. That's awesome. That's, I encourage him encourage them. Why? Because we cannot teach our kids to take courage only when the absence of weary happens. But we've taught a touchy-feely gospel that says you're under attack. Whoa, you might be under attack. Absolutely. So Christians go, all right, all right, I'm gonna take some courage. Why? Because he has over Come, I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm not over, I'm not. My my heart is telling me, my emotions are telling me I'm overwhelmed, but in the presence of being overwhelmed, I'm gonna engage my mind and I'm gonna take courage. All you need right now is some courage. That's why I'm preaching this morning. I'm gonna preach some courage into you. Courage, encouragement. Take some courage. And I'm not gonna counsel you and I'm not going to coddle you around the fact that you're special. And Tiffany is under attack right now because, you know, they're, they're business owners. And she just came on staff. Sorry, I'll stop petting you. And, you know, and even if she is, that's my job to say, all right, what's God saying? What's God saying? He's about to move. He's got your family protected. He's surrounding you with angels. Your kids, like, hand of gods on them. We're going to pray, and every prayer is not going to return void. We're going we're gonna to surround that family. We're going to love them. We're not going to talk about them behind their back. And we're going to get free pizza in return. Amen. Because we love Papa Murphy's. You see the mindset shift? No, I'm going to take courage. I'm not going to rejoice in the fact that I'm overwhelmed, overcome, or under affliction. That's par for the course. That's getting up and breathing, okay, and declaring that water is wet. I don't want to spend my life being an idiot. I want to take courage. David said it this way, when I'm surrounded by my enemies, there's a table in the presence Quit waiting for your enemies to disappear, to take courage, or look for the table. There is a table being presented in your life right now by the Holy Spirit in your life. Look for it. Have the courage to look for it. Have the courage to stand today and say, guys, where's the the table? Where's the table? I I encourage people all the time. I would not have a poverty mentality with my family even when we were $20,000 in debt. We scraped together $9, went down to Little Caesars, had a pizza, and said, our family is blessed. Our family is having a date night. Our family is having fun. We are not a victim. We are overcomers. We are walking into the blessing. Because I will not say what I feel. I will say what I think. And what I think needs to come into alignment with his thoughts. Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. The thoughts of God are so powerful. If he can get one thought into your mind this morning, the Bible declares the thoughts of God are so powerful that transformation will literally begin to take place by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because the thoughts of God, he's not confused. He goes, I know the thoughts. How confident is that? God's looking for a church going, I know. And here we are going, oh, where are you, Lord? Come and visit me, Lord. And God's like, I know the thoughts. I'm not confused. I'm the same yesterday. I'm the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and John. I'm the same God of Peter. I'm the same God of Abraham. I'm the, the same spirit that's in Christ. Is the spirit in you? I'm not confused. All we have to do is say, God, I need your mind. In Philippians, it says, I need the mind of Christ. I need the mind of Christ. I need the mind of Christ. You need the mind of Christ. Say, God, give me your mind. I need your mind. Give me the mind of Christ this morning because it's about to transform me. God thoughts are coming in this place right now. God thoughts are coming in this place. Somebody with some faith receive it this morning. There's some vision coming to you right now. There's some vision, there's some God thoughts in your mind, in your mind, in your mind about to be renewed, about to be transformed in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Give your mind a shot. Change the way you think. Change the way you talk. Never going to have any money. Never going to get pregnant. Never going to have that business. We're never going to have that ministry. Be like the woman with the issue of blood. She, she told herself, if I can just get to Jesus. If I can just get to Jesus. Stop saying what you feel and start saying what you think. Because your thoughts are much awesome and godly and full of faith than you even know. If Esau could have engaged his mind for a moment he probably would have felt silly. I'm going to die. You ever been so far in debt? I don't know what, I should probably not even say because it's so personal, but I don't know. We were $20,000, $30,000 in debt pretty, pretty quick off. I mean, I thought it was over. It feels like that at 24. My salary was 24000 as a youth pastor. and It feels that way. I know my brother, they tried to get pregnant with in vitro for seven, eight years. I get it. God gets it. But the word of God just says, hey, it's not over. I'm about to move in your life. It's not over. You're one doctor away. You're one decision away. You're one mentor away. You're one person away. Don't give up. It's not over get back in the game this morning and bring your mind and say, God, I need your mind. God, give me your mind. With the mind of Christ, transformation will begin to take place and give you perspective. Esau, it's not over. It's not over. You don't, don't give up your birthright. Don't give up on your birthright. Don't give up on your identity. Don't give up on the call of God. If you don't give up, you will win because I have not changed my mind. My gifts are without repentance. I have not changed my mind on you, says the Lord. My hand has been upon you since you've been in your mother's womb. I appointed you, I gifted you, I called you. It's not over. Someone shout, It's not over. Let it come out of your spirit. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's just begun. It's just begun. It's just begun. I'm yours, Lord. But the decisions we make when we're overwhelmed are life-altering. They're life-altering. The decision that Esau made it was a life-altering decision. I'm going to give up my birthright because I'm dying. No, you're not. You're not dying. Not everybody hates you. Actually, everybody's thinking about themselves. And they probably love you. I remember, I think it was Carrie asked Pastor Judah Smith, like, how do you go into so many different rooms? So many different. And he goes, man, I just walk in and just assume everybody loves me. That's so the way we gotta start thinking. Is it crazy? Who cares what they think? Your destiny is on the line, and you gotta get your thinking right. You gotta get your thinking right. I gotta get my thinking right. The Bible says, basically, whatever you believe, it, it let it be according to what you believe. If you believe you're ugly, you're ugly. But if you believe you're dropped dead not arrogantly but you're a workmanship of God then you might walk with a little less chip on your shoulder and the ability to not just take from people but give to the moment see agreement right now is the ability to give right now God's shifting you to giving mode to pouring out mode, to teaching mode. It it is time now to step forward because when the mind of God hits you, you start to see what he has in mind for you. And when you start to get the mind of God, you start to see the preordained purpose for why he shed his blood for you. And it is a lot more than just to give you a new car that runs. It is called purpose, fulfillment. It is called kingdom. It is anointing. There are miracles being, being held up when you encounter the very mind of God that hits your head but the decisions we make when we're overwhelmed, the man, their life I made some decisions that I paid for years car decisions primarily but when your head gasket blows and you're on the 205 bridge you're like drive to the dealership and just take whatever they give you no (laughs) that's what you feel because that's probably the easiest But step back start thinking, God, I need your head. I need your thoughts. I know this feels like we we suck. This feels like I'm going to be poor forever. I know this feels like, I know this feels like. I remember when people have left my life, I feel like, man, this is over. I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad pastor. I'm a bad leader. No, it's not over. It's not over. It just feels like it. It just feels like it. But decisions get made that you have to overpay for. You ever overpaid for a decision? bad decision. My cousin got caught up in the wrong group when he was a a teenager, and he shot somebody, killed them, and he's in prison for the rest of his life. I know people that have done things that no one ever knows. They got away with them. Some people do one thing. Adam and Eve, I think, overpaid. Every rape, murder, famine, war was because of one forbidden fruit, one act of unbelief and disobedience. You are overpaying for certain things in your life. Life is not fair. God is just, but life is not fair. But that's why when Jesus shed his blood on the cross 2,000 years ago, he said, hey, I understand that the flesh is an evil and the devil is not fair. But what you need to understand, that's why when you're so in debt emotionally, when you're so in debt physically or spiritually, and Jesus pronounces that your debt has been forgiven, that means something when you feel like you've overpaid your entire life. And when Jesus clears, he clears your debt, it says, not only is your debt forgiven, but I have deposited something in your account and now all i want you to do is receive it by faith i want you to receive right now by faith god says i've got something to give you even right now i want to drop a thought into your head says god i want to give you i want to give you i want to give you but esau comes in esau comes in right he's the hunter he's the stew maker he's the soup maker he comes into the house, and because he's overwhelmed, he's hungry, he's desperate. i got to make a decision. I'm going to die. He looks at Jacob. Jacob is not the soup maker. He's the tent maker. He's the poet. He's the accountant. He's the thinker. He's the writer. But the stew maker looks at the writer and says, I need you to do what I need to do. I, I need you to help me finish. I need you to do what only I can do. And when you're in that position, you give up. You give up your future, you give up your faith, you give up your hope, and you do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes to get that need met. Teenagers give up their sexuality every day to be loved. It's too high a price. And what Esau was doing is because he was weary, he wanted someone else to do his job. And the reason we get offended and the reason we blame and the reason we make excuses is because I want you to do my job. Because when I get to the end of myself, I need you to help me finish. But the truth of it is, is God says, I got you one step away. I got you one day away. I got you one moment away. I got you one friend away. I've got you one shift away, says God. But do not look to others to do what only you can do. This is your faith. This is your life. This is, this is, this is your body. This is your future. The reason we are so, so full of offense is because we look to the church, and we look to our family, and we say, where were you when I was hungry? Where were you when I was needy? Where were you? And the truth of it is, some of us get abandoned. Some of us are, are lost. Some of that happens. But Esau, if he tells us anything, it's take back your responsibility to fulfill the call of God. I know it doesn't feel like it, but you're graced. You're graced. You're graced to accomplish the call of God, what he began in you. He will be faithful, church, to finish it, to complete it, to perfect it. You're almost there. It's not over. 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 over. You got it. You've got it. You're anointed in this season to finish the race. You're right there. You're right there. But what happens when we get weary is we say, bro, where were you? I needed you. Church, where were you? Isaac, how, how come you didn't preach the series that I really needed? Mom, dad. Family, where were you? The truth of it is, is we do that because we want someone else to do our job. Why do we want someone else to do our job? Because you think it's over. That's all. It's over. And maybe you've never known that you actually, to protect yourself, cut off faith. I'm done believing. You're not done believing. God has only just begun to work in your life. You haven't seen anything yet. I used to hate when people say that. But the truth of it is, is you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. God is about to move in your life receive this by faith. This is why I got up to preach this morning, because I want to tell somebody that needed this, that needed a word from God to say, God, I need to get back in the game. It's not over. Your marriage isn't over. Your family isn't over. Your fi- your ministry isn't over. In fact, what God's going to do in you, he is laying a foundation that is wide, that is deep, that will stand for generations. He hasn't released you yet, because he's preparing those he takes further and higher. He has to go deeper. God's been pouring into you. He's been filling you. He's been, he's been, he's been processing you. He's been pouring in because when the day comes, what God does in you will be so fruitful. It, the fruit will remain. It'll bless this city. I'm telling you, God is raising up world changers in this city, in this church, in the churches of this region. They haven't been released yet. Because when the time comes, the fruit will be so ripe. Right. He can't release you yet. He's getting you ready. It's not over. Get back in the game and say God give me your mind give me your thoughts I want transformation by the renewing of my mind oh give me your word give me your thoughts give me your mind Jesus Jesus I just sense I just sense the word for Samson's in this room. You might not identify with Samson. That's not the point. The point is he messed up. He made decisions. And even if he made some good decisions, but they ended up bad, you can't figure out why you created that or did that, and you messed up, and you, some sort of confidence or faith got pulled out of your life. Samson messed up. But it says at the end of Samson's life, they plucked his eyes out. He couldn't see. It just, it just resembles a fact this morning. There's something you can't see. It's something you can't, you can't get clarity on. And the Bible says that a young boy came out to grab Samson's hand. And Samson said, put my hands on the pillars put my hands on the pillars because Samson had an idea. Samson had a thought. Samson had an idea that maybe God will give me back my strength. I know I don't deserve it. I know I've messed up. I know I've made some decisions. I know I've said some things, but maybe in this moment, if God could just anoint me right here, right now, if God, if you're hungry and you need God to come upon you, this might be you just saying, God, in this moment right now, and it says that the lad helped him find the pillars God's sending somebody into your life right now to help you find to help you find to help you take the next God has sent someone before you to bring you into the next level because you can't quite see it, but the boy put the hands of Samson on the pillars, and God came upon Samson, and the Bible says on that day Samson did more at the end of his life than the entirety of his life, and what God is about to do in this season pales in comparison to what you've experienced your whole life. He is about to bless you more than you've ever seen. He's about to do more in this season than you've ever seen. It's not over. It's not over. Shout it. It's not over.